You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, John Wertheim here. Beyond the Baseline is brought to you by the SeatGeek app. The easiest way to find a great deal, pay for your ticket, and get to your seat. Download the SeatGeek app, enter the code BEYOND, B-E-Y-O-N-D. That gets you $20 off your first tickets. We're also sponsored by FanDuel, the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. Enter the promo code BEYOND at FanDuel.com for a bonus match of up to $200. everyone, John Wertheim here. This is the SI Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast on the Panoply Network. Today we have an in-studio podcast and we have reprised, thinking it's the Algonquin Roundtable, Potsdam, and a Nobel Conference. We are discussing the U.S. Open draw. I'm here with Elizabeth Newman, tennis editor for Sports Illustrated, Woo-hoo. Jamie Lasanti, tennis producer for SI.com. She says hello with a silent <laughs> nod. And with Richard Deitch, Bon Vivant, tennis fan, media critic extraordinaire. The U.S. Open draw has come out literally minutes ago, and we are going to discuss it. Why don't we start broad? Why don't we do this by gender and go from there? So ladies first question. First. Uh, exactly. Ladies first. First question to you guys. In what scenario does Serena Williams not win her fifth straight major in her fourth of 2015. Let's see, she loses the first set, 6-2. Her serve, like, just totally defies her. Many meltdowns, she's looking in the crowd at Patrick, wondering what's going on. Um, The crowd, she loses the crowd's support, starts getting to her head. I don't know quite yet, though, who that opponent would say, be. Who's on the other side of the net when this very elaborate scenario you've concocted happens? But I can, I can see if it happens, that's what I see happening. I don't see it as a straight set loss. I definitely think it'll be three sets. Um, I think there'll be some fight in her, but I think it all depends on the serve and the attitude. 
to me, I, the, to, first of all, John, thank you for calling me a tennis fan. I will be covering this tournament, not as well as you, but covering All it, of us will be there. All right. To me, though, I look at the draw, and it's actually tough. I, I think there are places in this draw where Serena could falter against some big hitters off both wings. So you obviously look at a potential third-round match against Sloane Stevens. That's a grudge match. She's going right. to win that. Right. And there's a lot of incentive for Sloane. I mean, that's a, that would a lot be of a, history there. Sloane yeah. playing well, but right. there's that's not a match I see no, Serena losing. I agree all. with you. But again, Sloane has significant incentive. Madison Keys's last couple weeks have not been great. But again, I think that's, that's someone with a lot of power and potential. I do look, though, at Belinda Benchik. In the quarters, that's someone who's beaten Serena recently. That's someone, I think, who's going to be a free swinger. Play smart. So I do think there are places, like Elizabeth said, let's see Serena's first serve is off, loses the first set, starts really getting down on herself. Maybe I don't know if the crowd's going to get behind Benchik. It would get behind an American. So while I would still pick her, I, I do think the draw turned out to be, t- it seems to me, tougher for Serena than you might have expected. I looked at the Halep. Yeah, I mean, exactly. that, that's, a, that's right. a cake. That, to me, is <laughs> right. what you would think of a draw for a number one seed. Halep has the easy draw. I can't see Simona Halep not getting to the final well, you look based at the, on what I saw. You look at the U.S. Open committee, and you're like, what happened to home cooking? Like, you know, this is her home tournament. She's the number one player in the world. How is it that Halep has a better draw than she does? Well, let, let's be clear. This is all done completely randomly. Any conspiracy yeah, theorist yeah, that thinks, yeah. uh, you know, Mur- Murray comes out against Curios, which we can talk about in a minute. That happens, and you figure these are frozen envelopes and someone's manipulating but uh let's be clear this is a random draw and the drinking game of the u.s open drink every time you hear someone say the player most capable of beating (laughs) serena williams is serena williams i do think there's an element of truth in that though yeah and i think on tennis alone she can play c plus tennis and get through this draw but with the pressure and with, as Richard, as you say, with some formidable opponents, no favors from the draw. Jamie, jump in here, though. Jamie Lasanti, who is filled with pointed opinions about all matters tennis, including this. In which universe, how do you see Serena losing? Well, first off, Sloan needs to get by Coco Vandeweghe. So I find that to be a really interesting first-round match. She has to... Uh, what do you guys think of a potential Coco Serena matchup? Because that hasn't happened yet, and I think if any American woman has as near as much swag as Serena, it's Coco. You think it's Coco over Madison? Those are in the swag best, uh, in the swag meter, the swag yes, department. Coco. Why are you guys dismissing the Lucic Baroni upset of Serena <laughs> early in this in this tournament? Hey, she did it. She did it over. The one thing I'm interested, uh, all you guys should weigh on, in is do you think it's? And this is actually just an interesting sort of uh, game within the tournament. It, would Serena be more likely to be picked off early or late? When would the John? When do you think the pressure, uh, if we're going to yeah, combine I mean, this, would, uh, would the pressure of the Grand point. Slam? It hit her early when you're, you still have to play into the tournament, or does it hit late when the moment comes in the final? You have preempted. That's, I think, a really good discussion point because historically, I mean, the data, historically, once Serena gets rolling, it's like, I mean, her record in Grand Slam semifinals and finals is a joke. She's winning more than 90% of those matches. And the book on Serena is you're going to get to her, get to her early. A lot of these matches she's had at majors, Cornet, Ani Ivanovich in Australia. A lot of those matches have come mid-tournament, even early tournament, and the thinking is she's not locked in. Once she's in that final week and the trophy's in sight, she's rolling. This is a twist on that, though, because once she's in those last three rounds, it's not just that the trophy's in sight. It's that this absolutely 
formidable feat, this historic occasion comes with it. So it's almost a reverse. You almost expect her to sort of lock in early, and everyone's going to make a big deal, as they should, about the prospect of a Grand Slam. How is she going to handle the pressure that comes with being a few matches away? You know, she needs 28 matches, and when she gets to 26, 27, that is a lot of pressure. And that's also a position that she has never been in. I mean, she's been at this for years and years. I mean, I think something that gets overlooked is her longevity. 16 years ago, she won this tournament. But this is a completely unprecedented situation for her. I think at some point, though, especially if she makes it to the deep rounds, I think the Williams grit will take over. Um, I think you'll hear more screams and groans on the match during the matches. Um, but I think, you know, once she gets to that point, I think she will actually be more comfortable with the pressure. You know, when you come out for the early rounds, that's when the jitters start and you're not quite sure um, how you're going to react to the court, to the crowd, how your serve is going to be initially. But once, like Jake said, once she gets locked in, I think she'll be okay in the later rounds. Um, I, I don't see the upset happening in the semis or in the final round. The one thing, yeah, we'll get to Jamie in a second here. She, I know she now wants to weigh in. Uh, is, you know, I'm watching for Azarank's health because I do think that's the one player, even though I would still take Serena over her, she strikes me. And John, you've seen this far more than me. She just always strikes me as the one player who's not intimidated when she walks on the court against Serena. She may lose, but she does right. walk on the court with thinking, a lot of swag. Yeah, like I believe yeah. that I'm winning this match, even though it doesn't happen. I have no faith in Sharapova beating None. Serena. I have None. no faith in Halep. So I do look at the side of the draw where Azaranka is, and I think she's a more talented player than Halep. But, I, you know, you do wonder when I saw Azarenka limp off, was it Cincinnati or where? Yeah, you just, I have no idea where her health is. Yeah, and so I mean, she, could, the, she could go down early. Right. I mean, I think health is going to be a big theme on both sides. Azarenka is seated 20th. And I think if you asked most players and most observers, she's top four. Yeah, it's very deceptive. Yeah. Very deceptive seating. You have always wanted to go to Flushing Meadows to the U.S. Open. You've never quite figured out how, and now we're going to tell you. This is the year you're going to do it. You're going to go with the SeatGeek app. They're going to give you $20 off your first purchase. Use the code BEYOND in the SeatGeek app. It takes less than a minute to download. The app is free. It's on the iPhone. It's on the Android. You'll do this. You'll get tickets. Next thing you know, you will be at the U.S. Open. SeatGeek aggregates from the big ticket sites, so it's like finding flights and hotels online. SeatGeek, same thing, pulls in all the options from hundreds of sellers, creates a one-stop shop for you to get sports and concert tickets. Shop on SeatGeek, and you're virtually seeing every ticket option out there for every game or match. No need to go anywhere else. Again, download the free SeatGeek app today. Enter the promo code BEYOND. SeatGeek will then send you $20 once you've made your first purchase. Use that code BEYOND. Get to the U.S. Open with SeatGeek. Jamie, jump in here. I know you're, you're elbowing Richard aside. Well, <laughs> well she's oh, also our podcast producer, so she's trying to make sure no, we're, she's our levels are good. Right, but she's the one who brought up Coco Vandeweghe, which in itself was interesting. That, that could be two of the, the two best servers in the women's game meeting early. I mean, I think the, another interesting aspect of this whole Serena scenario is it is both a blessing and curse that this journey ends up in New York. This is her home slam. There is a lot of history here, good and bad. I mentioned 1999 when she won for the first time. A decade, a decade later, same tournament. Uh, she also had a memorable U.S. Open. 
That, of course, was the um, the unfortunate semifinal match against Kim Kleisters. I think that ratchets up the pressure. If she were going to do this in Melbourne and it were 2 in the morning and sort of a nation would read about it the next day, that would be one thing. I think that this happening on a weekend in the United States only adds a level of, of pressure. Are we expecting Drake in the box? Will he be there? I think See, we are. I discussed this on Twitter. The what Drake. Is it, yeah, is that uh, to me? That's a. I, 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 I realize it's ridiculous to talk about, but that's a distraction. I don't think you want for this Grand Slam. And that's what I was trying to explain to people. I was accused of being sexist when I brought it up in my prediction, and it, it's not that. It's just you want to go in with a clear head, thinking only about tennis. Ever since the pictures came out, there have been tons of blog posts. It was trending on social media. Then some alleged emails came out between the two of them that I don't believe are true and accurate. Um, but that's not the chatter that you want. You want all eyes focused on you and your tennis racket. But he was there in, at Wimbledon. But he they weren't. The press room. But he they weren't kissing out. at Wimbledon. They were just, I mean, although when I no saw him, on the when I saw no him in the box at Wimbledon, I was kind of shocked because I didn't know that they were still friends. But it seemed like a, a very jovial exchange. And then all of a sudden you see these pictures from last week and you're like, oh my God. That's going to blow up on social media like crazy. Hopefully she's turned all of it off. She's not paying attention to any of it. No one has shown her any headlines. But, I mean, that's what everyone's talking about. And people are accusing journalists of bringing this story to the forefront, but that's what social media does now. They take the story and run with it before we do. For, and Drake is connected mm. to the Raptors. So this guy does not, in my opinion, have a great athletic history of <laughs> being connected to winners. That said, Jamie makes a good point about Wimbledon. Serena, though, it, it, to be very serious, and, uh, you know, obviously people who are in the box, that's part of tennis. But she has historically been unbelievable about performing on the court, regardless of whatever is going on with her life away from it. So I do think, and, and I do think this is part of tennis, it's sort of one of the interesting parts of tennis, Players have been affected by personal relationships galore. I mean, you've seen mm -hmm. melt. I mean, John has seen a million of meltdowns on the court. She does strike me as somebody who, if nothing else, seems to be able to multitask even with very, very famous people I would connected even, to her. I would even go further and say she thrives on this drama. Maybe. And this has been a theme of hers. And when we least expect her to do well, she does well. And I think some of these three-set matches, I don't want to go too far this is not quite the you know the fireman that sets fires and then becomes the hero when he extinguishes it but there is some of this is her own making and even people in her camp say yeah she at some level needs this drama to play her best tennis i i don't have strong opinions about drake but uh i can't imagine drake is going to be the factor that prevents her from winning the grand no like she said it's gonna it's gonna be herself but i do think it's important i think she almost cherishes the opportunity to have it done here versus another tournament. I think she plays best when she has something to prove, whether that's on the court, whether that's to deny or confirm her relationship with whoever. I think she's here, she has something to prove, and I think that's 100% enough motivation for do, her to get Do we done. agree that if she wins the US Open that the, the debate is over about the greatest of, of all time? I think it should have been over no, ages maybe ago. It's over, but well, ages we've, ago. We've moved to greatest female athlete at this point, I think. Which, you know, again, you're talking about Jackie Joyner-Kersey, Babe Zahari. The list is now short. I mean, and Serena. And then there's a very fair argument to make that Serena could already be number one and then maybe solidifies number one by, by winning in Flushing Meadows. She just made a very interesting comment in the U.S. Open Draw interview where someone asked her if she thought she was the GOAT. 
And she said she didn't think that she was the GOAT because she couldn't see herself how she would play against top players in another era. And I think that's a very humbling statement to make. I still think she's the GOAT and that she would have knocked out all of them. It's very hard to, I mean, you have to admit, even PR-wise, it's hard to sort of come out and say, I am. I would say Only it. Only Jordan, like... <laughs> I would say it. You, Yeah, I mean, she has the credentials to do it, but that is... You know, I feel bad in that sense for Serena because you come out and say, no I am. Yeah. yeah, then, then every headline Ask her again runs. in two weeks. Yeah. You diminish yourself right. or else you're arrogant. But, yeah, I, th I think do that we also agree? Do we, do, I'm sure, eventually, I'm sure we'll move on to the men. But do we agree that this, this tournament is defined by her quest? Like, the, she's the bigger story of the tournament, regardless of what happens on the men's side? Or if Federer somehow gets to the final and wins... Can that is that a, is that a one A story along with Serena? Because I think yeah, Serena's I the think, story. Of the I US think Open. Serena's, and I think either way that cuts. Yeah. I mean, either she solidifies this and pulls off this feat that we haven't seen since 1988, or my gosh, she's won four of these in a row. How almost tragic is it that she comes to the the last leg at her home slam where she's the multiple defending champion and can't finish? I think no matter how this story breaks, but uh, you provide us with a nice segue, Richard. Thank you, And John. I thank you for that. Of course. Um, no, I mean, I think Serena's really the dominant story of the women. They're these sub-stories, as there always are. Will Jeannie Bouchard win a match? Yeah, you know, that's a, Sharapova that's, has a rank. I mean, we can sort of pick through, but really, this is all about Serena. The men, I think, is interesting, and I think you've, you've kind of hit on the main story on the men's side, which is we've got Novak Djokovic, who won the previous major and is going very quiet story in tennis. This guy's going for his third major of the year. And with that comes, is he moving up in the GOAT conversation? Roger Federer, obviously age 34 now, but just beat Djokovic for the second time on hard courts. Andy Murray's had a nice summer. After that, a really long staircase, I think, to the next level. But if Roger Federer can somehow win this event, that's, that's a significant story. Let's start there. Do we think, uh, we think Roger's winning this? Jamie Lasanti. He wasn't my pick. But now Murray was my pick, and we've got an interesting matchup for him in the first round. Can the, the theatrics of that, the potential <laughs> theatrics of that first round match. Against I kind of wish he he didn't draw Murray because I wanted Kyrgios to be in the right. tournament for a couple <laughs> days. To have to, uh, to have to face the music. No, Nick Kyrgios and Andy Murray is what we're talking about. That is a um, a, a first round night match, if ever. Must see TV. Must see TV. Lost in all this is I think Kyrgios is really in a bad. Place mentally. I mean, I, I could see this being uh, Three you sets. know a six two six two six yeah, two ninety minute drubbing, but um, certainly we have good versus evil themes. Uh, <laughs> Kyrgios was hoping if he was hoping to have a quiet U.S. Open and let things die down, drawing a former champion in the third seat is not the way to do it. But after that, I mean, I see this as one of these Monday or Tuesday fun stories, but this is not going to endure. Well, how do you guys think the crowd's going to react to Kyrgios in? You know, are they gonna? Are they? Is he gonna get booed? Is he gonna get cheered on? Are they gonna get behind him? I mean, I, I think some of that will depend on him. Yeah, if he if he acts up, I think he'll get booed. Um, but if he just plays a regular match, I don't think the crowd will harken back to the things that have happened over the past couple of weeks. There's there's a long tradition of like uh, tennis fans in New York cheering the anti-hero, but he's such a right. chump that he's not, <laughs> he goes beyond anti-hero a little bit. So I think. The crowd will be behind Murray, and I think it totally goes to Elizabeth. If he starts sort of chirping, I, I think it could get ugly. Um, but that would also be, for a night match, just great theater. Yeah. Oh, it's I great mean, yeah. Yeah. ESPN yeah. is absolutely yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at his uh, knuckleheadness. You know, I picked Federer to win this tournament, but what bums me out, as someone who uh, 
you know, who'd like to see his pick justified. Whenever Rarinka is in Federer's side of the draw, it scares me. I, I, there's just like the one. Really? Guy. Yeah, I realize it's a ridiculous statement, but um, that is who when I'm looking like sort of down the road for Raj. Uh, uh, oh, although he would face Djokovic, right? So I take that back. Maybe I'm wrong on my. Uh, well, on no, my Murray, th- Murray and Vavrinka are in the same quarter. On the same the quarter. Okay, player, right, right. The highest player in Federer's quarter is Thomas Burdick, who has beaten Federer at the U.S. Open before. True. I don't. I don't think Federer has a lot of complaints about his draw. Certainly not. Oh yeah, I take uh, you know what I'm right. Vavrinka would be a semi-final potential me, but Murray's in that draw. So Raj doesn't. You know, Raj is going to have some. Um, I, I think Raj is through. Yeah, some tough matches, but a pretty good draw. Djokovic's draw is tough. What do we think of Nadal? Any, I was just going to say, Djokovic-Nadal, that's you know a potential match. Um, well, look at Nadal's first-round match. I mean, Nadal has given... He's all over the place in New York. I don't know if you've... I mean, Nadal and his Tommy Hilfiger deal... I saw the strip tennis photos yesterday. Yeah, he's everywhere. I, I everywhere. have not seen a tennis campaign that has been this one. I mean, this is on... Buses and billboards and, and magazines. But uh, Nadal, right off the bat, Borna Chorich, who is the best teenager in the world. This reminds me a lot like Djokovic 10 years ago. This is a guy where everybody's just, his, may as well just change his name to future top five player Borna Chorich. I mean, everybody has anointed this kid. His results have generally backed it up. He knows how to win. He has a very sort of organized game. I think Nadal's got real trouble. I mean, Nadal's year has been so dismal. His confidence, and this is not just speculative, I mean, he's openly spoken about this deficit of confidence he has. And then to go out there and play a teenager who knows how to win matches, who will be a top player one day, that is a brutal, brutal first-rounder for Nadal. And, you know, I mean, Richard, you said he plays Djokovic there in the same quarter. I think that is very optimistic. Maybe he won't get there. I am not sure. I mean, look at Nadal's results recently. This guy isn't even getting to these latter stages of matches to play against the Djokovic types. Um, this this could be a very ugly U.S. Open, I think, for Rafael Nadal. Well, I think aside from Serena, he probably is the one player who has the most amount of pressure on his shoulders um, because this is do or die. Like, obviously, he's aware of the chatter. He's aware of how poorly he's played this year. He knows that everyone's asking, is this the end for Rafael Nadal? So I think he looks at this as if... If I can win, if I can make it to the round of 16 in this tournament, that would be an accomplishment. If I can win it, I'm back. I shut up all the haters, and I can go on and get back to being the next GOAT. First round loss for him, John. That's a long, long I th- way to yeah, Australia. I mean, yeah. in a way, you hope it doesn't happen. But, I, I mean, I, I haven't seen um, that kid as much as you have, but I have read that it seems like the sky's the limit for him. That, that's like the last guy, if you're Nadal, you want to play in the first round. You know, you're hoping for a qualifier yeah, or somebody to easy. Into this. That's, I mean, even if he wins, that seems to me that's, you know, maybe that's a five set. Nadal is seated eighth, which he barely got. The good thing about that is it means he won't play anyone ranked higher than that until the quarterfinals. If he can live up to his seat and get to the quarters where he'll play Djokovic, if he can get to the quarters, a successful deep tournament. down, this is a successful tournament to him. You know, I'm looking, and again, he's on the opposite side of that draw, but it, no one ever sort of, or not a lot of people heading into the tournament are talking about Nishikori, who I think has played really, really well. He made the finals last year. You forget, he could win the tournament, I think. I think there's still such a drop-off after these. I, mean, I think we forget how the big good three the big the three drop. are. The big three, um, and, and maybe include Stan yeah, as your big, big three four. plus one. Now that Wimbledon is over, what is the biggest show on grass? It is the NFL. 
Week one is just around the corner. When you're done watching tennis, you don't have to wait another minute to start building your team for fantasy football in the FanDuel lobby. Here's what you do. Go to FanDuel with the code BEYOND. You can play with a bonus of up to $200. FanDuel, you know this already. It's the one-week leader in fantasy football. They'll pay out more than $75 million a week. This football season, entry fees start as low as a dollar. Over a million players have won money playing fantasy on FanDuel. Now it's your turn. Again, this is a special offer for new users. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel is going to match it with up to 200 bucks. It gets you earned as you play. That's $200 as a bonus. The offer is good to the first 50 people that use my code BEYOND today. Don't get left out. Go enter the code BEYOND. FanDuel will give you $200 for every $200 you spend. FanDuel.com. Try it out today. Who do we like <laughs> that is not named Roger Federer, Andy Murray, or Novak Joker? Look, this is not dissimilar to the women's draw. And there are these sub-stories, as there always are, and there are these players. You know, Dominic Team is a player who's Well, don't you think we're being unfair? Because and... look at last year. Chilich and Nishikori were in the finals. It's not, I mean, I would take the big three myself, but it's not like it's inconceivable for a non-big three player to get through. What yeah. about David Ferrer? I, I think know. I think that that uh, over, that that, that that's over. That, yeah. and he's 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 been injured as well. Yeah. I, feel like I mean that car's that car's in the. I think that uh, Chilich beats Nishikori last year, and there was talk. Oh, it's it's time for the new guard, right. and this is the transition we've been waiting for. And then you look what happens this year. Chilich has basically been a non-factor in part because of injuries. Nishikori is a nice player. Good for him for staying in the top five. But I don't think this is a guy ready to win slams. And what we see is that. The top three, four guys, they're really, really, really good. And you dismiss Djokovic and Federer at your peril. Andy Murray is, is married and happy and back. We'll include Vavrinka, but this is a guy who's, you know, 30 years old and has been around for a while. These top guys are really good. And the fact that players win a major and then disappear, which happened to Chilich, I think, if anything, that just sort of validates the top guys that much more. Is there, I mean, again, not that we're expecting any of these guys to really go deep, but is there an American at all who, like, whether uh, it's Jack Sock? Or, I, I never have, and this is no disrespect, no. he's certainly a good player, but I, I never have faith to pick John Isner going deep. So is, He has is bad there, feet. Yeah, is no. there anyone out there who maybe surprises us and gets to the quarters or something to that effect? American. Yeah, American. Dennis Kudla. He made the second week at Wimbledon, and I, I think that he can do it again at the Open. Elizabeth, what do you say here? I'm looking at his draw. Hmm. I have no faith in the American men. Sorry. I, I think despite the rankings and Isner being the top of that heap, I think Jack Sock has really taken over as, as a guy with a legitimate chance. There's some attitude. He hits a huge ball. He's finally healthy. No shortage of, of self-confidence. Other than that, you know, Steve Johnson is a nice player. People will want to see Francis Tiafo, the... Rhode Island tennis player, which is not a phrase we use more off, too often, and, and Jared Donaldson. I mean, there's some, there's some intriguing curiosities. Um, Jack Sock, I think, is, is your best bet, but we're still a ways. I mean, the, the good news is that, you know, Jamie, you know this. I mean, at Wimbledon, four of the last eight men, I mean, eight kids in the boys' draw were American. You know, Riley Opelka wins the Wimbledon boys' draw. Big, hard-serving kid who on that serve alone is probably a, a top 40 player. There is some potential coming down the pipeline, but but right now I think we're looking at another, you know, by the round of 16, uh, don't don't expect a lot of red, white, and blue. Is there any, uh, this year, is there a Vicky Duval or a, uh, is, there a, is, there a is there a woman on the, 
Is there is there a young American woman on that side who maybe gives us like a match or two or three where you know it's like you get the Melanie who danced so you remember her at least there always is. I well, mean, I, well, I want to stop you there and say, can we just pause for thirty seconds? Victoria Duval last year would have qualified based on a ranking. She's right. beaten a former champion in Sam Stoser. She's recovering from cancer. Amazing. And she's playing a qualifier today. And did, and and is in the qualifying draw because the USTA did not give her a wild card. That is one of the more baffling decisions. Plenty to choose from. How but, you couldn't give not not just on the on sort of the cancer card, the cancer survivor card. Here's a young minority player come up through the United States, great backstory, who's had success at the U.S. Open mm-hmm. and a year ago would have qualified based on her ranking. How in the world, from an optic standpoint, but just from a fundamental fairness standpoint, do you not give her a wild card? Don't. Have they answered? Have, have, have they been asked oh, the question? there's some mealy mouth statement. Oh, there are a lot of talented players to right. choose from. And I mean, honestly, um, it, it just it, it mystifies. And this was, we, we saw Max Eisenbud, Maria Sharapova's agent, even uh, with, with a fairly aggressive tweet questioning that. I mean, this is one of these decisions that people are chattering about behind the scenes in a... They should. This group can't get out of their own way. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, you know, it, it's it's so foolish in the sense that it's such a great story for you to market for, for your tournament. So why yeah. Would, that'll, that'll, I mean, exactly. they've, US, USTA has made those decisions to bring a qualifier in for nothing more than to market that qualifier in the first round. So this... I mean, you have you you check off sixteen boxes why this right. is good. But also, just from a fundamental fairness, she deserves a spot in the Correct. main draw. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, enough. Uh, you you raise a good question though. Who who are some of these stories that we can pinpoint? And they always happen. I mean, they always sort of materialize. Last year, it was where's C.C. My, uh, Bellis. Where's my she Taylor? won. She won again today. C.C. Bellis. Yeah. She team. Where's Taylor Townsend right now in terms of the she qualifying? Is, uh, I'll tell you, Taylor Townsend. Taylor Townsend lost in the Wimbledon Junior Draw two years ago. To Belinda Bencich. Wow. Wow. Taylor, Taylor Townsend is, uh, is is really struggling. She's in the qualifying draw. We're recording this Thursday. She's still in the draw trying to qualify. Belinda Bencic, who, again, two years ago was her opponent in the Wimbledon final, is now number 12 in the world. So uh, Taylor, Taylor Townsend's hit a bit of a rough spatch. But so how is she, what, 18 maybe? She's st- there's still time to, for that. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, that's, I mean, I, I you know, when I saw her as a junior, that was her. That was someone whose strokes I really, 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 really like. So I'd like to see her do well. But as you said, John, there's always somebody in that. There's always somebody who wins two matches at the U.S. Open, the first and second round. And prior to the third match, it, it, they are like celebrated like Navratilova. They usually end up getting blown Superstar. out. Yeah, but it's but it's a great but it's a great it's a great like couple days uh, story. So you just wonder who that's going to be, you know. And, in the past, it was Udan. I she got she got to the quarters, and Vicky Duval had her moment. But we've oh, we've always seen like that, especially on the women's side. Like somebody wins a match or two, and you get anointed very quickly. It's always. I mean, you're also we're we're dancing around this. It it does tend to be a young American as well. If, you, if Carolina Pliskova is uh, <laughs> right. your, your surprise semifinalist, I don't think uh, she's doing GMA. Well, what about a Canadian? Like, what do we think of Jeannie Bouchard? Do we think she's going to get her mojo back here? I mm. cannot recall not this year a slump as dramatic as this. I mean, a year ago, Jeannie Bouchard, coming off a Wimbledon final, was on the cover of the New York Times magazine. Right. She's struggling to win tennis matches. I mean, it's, she's just... It's amazing, because, you know, she was really not only anointed for her game, but, I mean, she obviously... She's an attractive young woman. She had the look. There were people basically 
saying this was your new Sharapova or however you want to describe her. And, like, she's fallen off a cliff. And you just wonder, you know, the one thing every all of us know about tennis is, like, the game can pass you by fast. Yeah. So, yeah, Jeannie's young. I think she's maybe 20 or 21. But, like, you know, John, that if that 12-month slump extends to, like, 24, you, you may never see the top 10 again. And the, Look how long it took Wozniacki uh, to sort of turn it around and become I mean, a I mean, this, competitive this, uh, top 10 yeah, player. We, but if we've seen a couple players. I mean, Wozniacki's a good example. Right. Anna Ivanovic won a major, right. number one in the world, and then her ranking tanks. Sloane Stevens had a rough sophomore season. Yankovic. But this is just... I mean, I have, this Jeannie Bouchard situation is excruciating. Where is she right now with coaching? She she has a new coach that she, she had hired, Sam Summick, from some Mazarenka's camp at the start of the year. That did not last... Uh, Beyond Wimbledon, she had a new coach she was trying out at the Canadian Open. She lost in New Haven. She won the first game of the match and lost the match 6-1-6-0 to a qualifier. I mean, her game is in such a shambles. She actually, after that match, then helicoptered to a Nike event. And I think that sort of got a lot of uh, you know snark on Twitter. But I think that's this fundamental tension where she has big endorsements. She has big commercial responsibilities and her actual game once the match starts is in shambles so she can't walk because of these responsibilities she can't really walk away let's say for like three months and just that is a huge pressure all the i mean one thing that in sort of a dirty secret of tennis is that all of these bonus clauses are tied to majors so the notion of nick curio sitting out the u.s open that was never going to (laughs) happen right and same thing with bouchard i mean it might really behoove her to say you know what for six months back to the basics i need to repair my game but there are commercial pressures that will make sure that she's still out there playing matches. So that that's one of the uh, the, the sort of we talk about this subset of storylines. It's not Serena winning a major, but can Jeannie Bouchard uh, start to resurrect things? Call your your upsets right now, men's and women's. Call them out. Uh, who are you taking to be the first seeds to fall out, or who's going to be that player to knock them out? All right, that rustling of papers you hear. We're all looking through our draws. <laughs> I will. Uh, I will. I'm start going with off. Gavrilova Who's over your, Sharapova. Uh, first whoa. round. Whoa! Wow, that's first a round. Damn. You do these things when you're in your early 20s. Jamie Lasanti. <laughs> that is a bold pick. Um, interesting. Sharapova had the the right leg injury that prevented her from playing Cincinnati. Um, that's an interesting pick. I mean, Gavrilova is a tough, tough, she's feisty a, player. She's, she's had her injuries one. herself. She's played Sharapova tough earlier this year in Miami. I like that one. Here, I'll, I'll throw you mine from the women's draw. Ocean Dodan, French player that uh, a lot of people are very high on, who got one of those bogus reciprocal wild cards. She plays Yelena Yankovic, oh. 21st seed, but a former finalist in the first round. Uh, I'll call that one. I'm still thinking about yours. It's, it's a good pick, Jamie. Yeah, as Dice, I look, what do you got? I'm looking around. You know, I just... Jamie has thrown me off here. Yeah, with, I don't know uh, if I can compete with that. The, with this. How about, uh, do I really go for the Gasquet opening match? Doesn't he have Kokonakis in the first round? Gasquet, Kokonakis? Yeah, but Gasquet's going to win rounder. that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I'm really? Not, yeah. yeah I, I I'll the, give you some I new. Uh, you would pick Kokonakis? Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure I want to go with that. I know, there's, there is a, uh, who won the, there's somebody on the, as I pull up this here. There's on the women's draw. There's got to be some like seed who I think is gonna. All right, here you go. I'll take this is a ridiculously lame pick by me. I'm gonna take Yarko Neiman in over Joe Ah, Willie the Finn, Sanga the Finn. Who the saw me? Who saw me? That's my. That's my. I'm. I'm, say, I'm saying Joe Willie gets knocked. This is his. Uh, Dude, that's gonna be a three-setter win last, for Sanga. The, the last <laughs> match of uh, Yarko Neiman in his esteemed career. We have a Finnish speaker in our midst who seems to. 
Yeah, that's a terrible pick by me, Elizabeth. <laughs> now that I think but about it. But the Finns like it. So. The Finns like it. Yeah. I, but, I, you know, I see Monfi. I, I don't like Monfils or Sanga uh, in this tournament to go deep. I'll tell you who's playing really well is Charlie. I could see that guy actually getting on a little bit of a roll. Could he be Ferrer and, like, Whatever that is, yeah, round I think, three. I think Ferrer's in, uh, in in rough shape these days. But, you know, I mean, I, I think that there are 32 seeds. And there was a really interesting uh, post that was going around about how this has had a dramatic impact on tennis, that if you're a top 32 player, you'll get to the third round before you have to worry about playing anyone ranked higher than you. By the time you're in the third round, that's already a nice payday. And so these 32, te- these 32 seeds, they've really reduced upsets during the first few rounds of the tournament, what they've also done is that they've really enriched the top of the field, that you can be the 32nd round player. If you play to your seating, you're still going to walk out of here with, you know, close to uh, close to a six-figure payday. Marty Fish is an interesting story, right, playing right. the tournament? Marty Another Fish is an interesting feel story. feel-good story. And he's got a good draw. I think he, he has the potential to go... Couple rounds. Couple rounds. I, I mean, how has so. he played? Has he played a lot of tournaments this summer? No, no, John. You no, he uh, he had yeah. a nice run in Cincinnati. Played Andy Murray tough. One one, you know, one round played Andy Murray tough. Not a lot of experience for Marty Fish, but he's a guy who. I mean, he's his ball striking has never been in question. And I think the other thing too is that his his age is really sort of distorted. He may be in his thirties, but remember, this is a guy who hasn't played a whole lot of tennis the last four years. Will have big hometown support. He's had a very strange last few years and has been admirably candid talking about him and some of the anxiety issues. The U.S. Open is where it all sort of started. He had a big match on Labor Day with Roger Federer, and that's sort of where the the issue really first surfaced. But no, Marty Fish, we talked about Victoria Duval. This is obviously a much different situation, but if you're looking for a feel-good story, you could do a lot worse than Marty Fish. I'll tell you, again, this is not on the single straw, but something when I'm out there that I really hope I can see is uh, I'm really... Uh, excited to see Martina Hingis's return in doubles to number one. That's a great. That's a. That's just. It's. It's such an amazing story because you know those of us who covered her as a singles champion. It, it just. It feels like another life. And now she's top seed in doubles. Has a great partnership. Um, and seems to enjoy playing doubles. It's real. I mean. You know, I don't see Serena five years from now like trying to make a doubles career. It's, it's pretty awesome. No, I it? think I think uh, you know you imagine there's an ego adjustment, right? Hey, Hall of Fame. She's already in the Hall of Fame. Easy. Well, you think about when we used to watch her, it was Martina against Venus and Serena, yeah. back and forth right. on the court, off the court, words exchanged against all the power hitters. Yeah. Right. No, but I think Dabbing that's what happened. You know, she got thing. she. Everyone said, "Oh, beautiful!" You know, tennis tennis brains were unrivaled, <laughs> right, and what right. beautiful strokes. But boy, she's getting uh, she's getting beaten off the court. You watch her play doubles, and you realize why she can't compete in singles. I mean, that that serve is uh, not a top ten serve, but the rest of her game is unbelievable. Great she hands, to cover half the court. Yeah. Great hands. She's having fun. It's it's a great story, and she's you know this this is no novelty act. They won Wimbledon. I mean, she's yeah. as good a, as good a bet as any. And Mirza was, was a was a top exactly. fifteen player at one point. Top, top I mean, top that's yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty good doubles team. It's a nice uh, doubles team. It's nice to tap into India. Which Definitely is one yeah. of these uh, great marketing. So clubs. anyway, all right, this podcast is in danger of going longer than Serena's first round match. <laughs> so um, let's wrap things up. But you want uh, us to pick? Should yeah, give yeah. Picks? Let's let's just men's or women's Lasante. pick. Run through it. Jamie Lasante, who's been uh, elbowing out for airtime. Give us your, your two winners, male winners? and female. Murray and Serena. <laughs> I am taking Serena Williams, who I think should be Sportsman of the Year already, and Roger Federer. Hands down, Serena, and I'm going to go off on a limb and say Andy Murray. I think you got to go Serena as well. 
and I'm going to be boring and go both number one seeds, Djokovic, until proven otherwise. All right. Thanks, everyone. Maybe we'll do this mid-tournament. Jamie Lasanti, Richard Dyke, Elizabeth Newman. John Wertheim. I'm John Wertheim. First ball, 11 o'clock Monday. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you soon. Thank you.